Think about the last thing that you drank. Now, let's do a little thought experiment. Where was the water in that drink before you drank it? In a glass? In a bottle? In a water fountain? And where was it before that? In a pipe? In a piece of fruit? In a still? A still? What, has our listenership gone up in Tennessee lately? And where was it before that? In a river? In a fresh mountain spring? In a cloud? And where was it before that? In a cow? In a fish? In a dinosaur? In another human? When was the last time that the water you're drinking was drunk before? Of course, we don't think about it very often, but there's only a limited amount of water on Earth, and there are billions and billions of living creatures on it. So, it's weird to say it this way, but every drop of water that you drink has been drunk thousands and thousands of times before. Today on What Are You Talking About? We examine what happens when engineers leverage that tacit truth and make the connection between your water and its previous, uh, consumer a little more explicit. We're tackling water recycling. Stay with us. Water recycling is one of the hottest topics in environmental engineering. Or, as we call it in engineer speak, potable reuse. So let's break down what those two words mean. Reuse, of course, just means recycling. And of course, this is a very engineering-centered way of describing it, because as we mentioned, nature has been recycling our water for millions of years. And even engineers have been recycling water for uses like watering golf courses for decades. But here we're talking about engineers pulling water into loops that involve drinking that water. And that's what the potable in potable reuse means, drinkable. Water for things like irrigation can be non-potable, but anything that might come out of your home tap has to be potable quality water. So when it comes to questions about recycled water, the first one is inevitably, why? And to get to that answer, we have to think about water-stressed cities like Los Angeles, Singapore, Dubai, and even Tampa. What are possible water sources for these parched cities? Well, they're near the coast, so they could get water from the ocean, of course. That's a huge source of water. The problem, though, is that seawater is really salty, way too salty to be much use for anything. In order to use it, we have to desalinate it. This is a problem because desalinating water takes a lot of energy, and the saltier the water, the more energy it takes to desalinate it. The science of energy, that is, thermodynamics, actually has a way to measure how hard it is to separate the salt from the water. It's called the enthalpy of mixing. The more salt there is in the water, the higher that enthalpy of mixing, and the more energy that you need to separate the salt from the water. So, enthalpy of mixing is sort of the energy currency for purifying water. Exactly. Think of it this way. I have a new baby that loves to play with blocks. As an aside, that's actually the reason why we haven't put out many episodes recently. Turns out babies consume a lot of your time. But anyway, my baby has two different kinds of blocks. 
One set of blocks has different shapes on them. The other set has different elements from the periodic table. Horse, n -n -n nerd Yeah, he's, he's going to be a huge nerd. But when he's done playing with these two sets of blocks, I do have to separate them out so that I can store them in the correct boxes. And if he has a lot of those periodic table blocks mixed in with the shape blocks, then I have to invest a ton of my energy into separating them out properly. If, on the other hand, there's just a couple of periodic table blocks in with the shape blocks, it's much, much easier to get each of the two different materials on their own. It's exactly the same idea with salt in water. If there is a lot of salt in the water, it takes a lot of energy to push water through a separation membrane. So even the most efficient filter still requires a lot of energy. But if those cities applied the same filtration to a less salty water, that is, water with a much lower enthalpy of mixing, they get clean water with much less energy. And it just so happens that every city has just such a source of water to tap into. It's much less salty than seawater. It's wastewater. And I know that we may not think of wastewater as pure in any conventional sense, but it is well over 99% water. Compare that with seawater, which is less than 97% water and more than 3% salt. In short, the thermodynamics here doesn't care about the history of the water, just its composition. Plus, for a lot of cities, wastewater is readily accessible and would be relatively easy to pump back into the drinking water system after treatment. And usually, cities own their wastewater, so they don't have to purchase the rights for it. It is, in a lot of ways, an ideal water source for cities that are in a pinch. But a big problem for cities implementing potable reuse is perception. How citizens think about it. Because when people think about wastewater, they usually think about water coming from one source in particular. That ugh feeling you just got is called the ick factor. And it's perhaps one of the biggest engineering challenges we face. And it leads us to the second question folks always ask about water recycling. Isn't that gross? And the engineer's answer is, well, at least scientifically, not any grosser than what we've been doing. Because again, engineers are very conscious of the fact that all of our water has been drunk many times before. And it's also not that different from what we already do to get drinking water. If you live near Houston, for instance, there's a good chance that you get your drinking water from the Trinity River, which, by the time it makes it down to you, is largely composed of treated wastewater discharged from Dallas and Fort Worth. This sort of unintentional, non-explicit recycling is called de facto reuse. Now, engineers aren't totally clueless. I mean, we can be pretty clueless, but not entirely. We know that at least psychologically, drawing water from a pipe that is full of wastewater is very different from drawing water from a river that is full of wastewater. Scientifically, the two are very similar. Nothing magical is happening in the river that can't be recreated by a shrewd environmental engineer. But of course, in people's minds, there is that real ick factor that you have to get past in order to embrace water recycling. And that's okay and totally understandable. A healthy derision from poop is what kept our ancestors alive. So now, as engineers, we have to answer another question. How do we recycle water? 
Folks may not always think to ask this question, but the answer usually puts them at ease because the answer is we recycle water very carefully. We start with fully treated wastewater, which is already pretty clean. It's gone through screening and aeration and clarifying and disinfection before it even gets to the recycling part. And then the treated wastewater heads to an advanced treatment facility where it is pushed through an extremely fine microfiltration membrane with pores one millionth of a meter wide. These holes are so narrow that any particles or even large bacteria will be filtered out. Then we push that water through an even finer reverse osmosis membrane with pores one hundredth of one millionth of a meter wide. Almost nothing except for water can get through those pores. Even minuscule viruses and tiny dissolved ions are unlikely to make it through. So that water is so pure that mineral content actually has to be added back into it before you can drink it. But wait, there's even more. Then we take that water and blast it with UV light and hydrogen peroxide, producing free radicals. And these free radicals are like a molecular juggernaut. They react with any contaminant that might be unfortunate enough to make it that far at a rate that is so incredibly fast that it is limited only by the speed of molecular movement. Whoa. Yeah, full advanced treatment is a ludicrously thorough treatment process. So you can see why we get a little miffed when some folks refer to water recycling as toilet to tap. I mean, yes, those are two plausible bookends of the process, but there's a lot of engineering and redundancy between those endpoints to make sure that the water is clean and safe for all of us to drink. This isn't to say that we're cagey about the origins of recycled water. We're very upfront and even have a sense of humor about where it comes from. My favorite story about this is the operator staff at a recycled water plant in Texas wearing t-shirts that say, putting the number two in H2O. Yeah, and that brings us to another how question that we need to answer. Not just how do we technically recycle this water, but how do we get water customers to embrace it? And this is a really big challenge for engineers because it involves something that we're traditionally not very good at, actually talking to people. It's like that old joke. How can you tell an engineer is an extrovert? They look at your shoes when they talk. Oh. <laughs> so water recycling projects actually tend to founder if officials aren't clear, descriptive, and very upfront with people about the whole process and all the awesome engineering and safety precautions that go into producing the drinking water. Recycled water projects tend to succeed if they get the community involved and invested. For instance, consider this possible issue. In Islam, it is forbidden to drink water that has been used to wash a dead body. Seems like a good provision. Indeed. So because some recycled water might conceivably have come from a mortuary, a water recycling project in Orange County, California, approached a local imam, and he actually issued an edict that after undergoing a full advanced treatment, recycled water was halal for drinking. Yeah. Another way to help people feel more comfortable is to not directly recycle the water straight into the drinking water system, but to first discharge it into some kind of environmental buffer, like a lake or an aquifer. Then you can draw water from this lake or aquifer and into your drinking water supply. From an environmental standpoint, that is kind of redundant, right? Nothing magical happens in the lake to clean the water. 
But from a psychological and public acceptance standpoint, that natural buffer step is often really comforting. This process is called indirect potable reuse, or IPR, as opposed to direct potable reuse, or DPR. And environmental engineers all over the world are looking at both the direct and the indirect versions. In fact, one of our hosts, Scott, has a particular nickname at his engineering firm. That's right. They call our very own Scott Miller Dr. DPR. No, really. (laughs) So engineers are increasingly considering water recycling as one of many tools to safely combat water shortages. But of course, they're really just copying something that Mother Nature mastered long ago. This episode of What Are You Talking About was produced by me, Joe Charbonnet. And me, Chelsea Panos. With help from Chris Olivares and Dr. DPR himself, Scott Miller. This podcast is produced in association with Renewing, the NSF's Engineering Research Center for Reinventing the Nation's Urban Water Infrastructure. Check that out at renewit.org. This is What Are You Talking About? Stay wet, everyone.